Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of Scouting for Growth. Today, I'm meeting with Simon Schneider, founding partner of Neotech Venture. Neotech Ventures is an early-stage venture capital firm based in Cologne, Germany. With his co-founder, BJ Park, Simon invests in outstanding teams and technology-based companies. So today's on this podcast, we intend to cover three things. First, Simon's path in VC land. Simon has been a VC for over 20 years, starting with a legal career. He shares a little bit more on his path during the podcast. Second, we look at great minds don't think alike, they think together. Simon shares that success comes from partnership, ecosystem building, and a lens on the future. Lastly, while VCs focus on financial returns, corporates often look at strategic returns. Simon shares his startup tips to make sure that ventures do not get sidelined when the corporation's strategy changes. So let's welcome Simon. So Simon, thank you so much for being with me today on Scouting for Growth. I would love for you to tell us about you, about you as a venture capitalist. I remember meeting you when I was at SBC in Showtech. You were evaluating a lot of my ventures and deciding whether you were going to invest in them when you were in Mashmire Group Ventures. And so tell us who you are and what got you to become a VC. Yeah, hi, Sophie. Um, very tough question already for the beginning. Thank you for that. So in the end, it is, um, or it has been really coincidence that I entered the VC business. Uh, it was in 2001. And um, at the end of my um, studies, um, to be honest, in I'm... I'm a lawyer, but decided not to work as a lawyer because someone said, why don't you go to these VC guys? They need someone like you because you know how contracts should look like and you have a good understanding of people. And why don't you go to the VC business? So that was in 2001, uh, so really a long time ago. And so really by an advice from a friend, I entered the VC business without ever had special plans to go in such direction. And then um, I started my VC career. And from the first day on, it was really fascinating to see all these founders, these teams with great ideas and um, great technologies and really game-changing ideas for for their businesses they wanted to uh, establish. And so I was really happy having um, the chance to get into this business and um, stayed in the VC world, okay? So for now nearly more than 20 years. Um, And yeah, um, it's a long journey since that. I have seen a lot of things, but the fascination of this business and having the chance to work with all these special people together is still there. 
And so I can tell you today that with no doubt, I still love my job, but what I have the chance or the possibility to do. And yeah, that's perhaps gives you a, a little bit of background how I came into this business. Lovely to hear. And so tell us why Neotech Ventures? So what got you to move from, you know, Marshmire Group Ventures to building your own venture firm? Yeah, so I had different stations through all these years. So I worked also for other funds, mainly here in Germany. Uh, in 2017, I joined the team of Carsten Marshmire for three years. And, um, but I had always this idea of our own fund in my head. Okay, so it's normal then uh, when you work in this business that uh, at a certain point of time, you, you ask yourself, um, why don't you establish your own fund? So in 2019, I decided to do so, um, left Mashmeyer Group um, and together with my uh, co-founder BJ, BJ Park, uh, we started uh, this uh, journey with Neotech Ventures, okay? And I learned a lot during this fundraising process. And uh, of course, the main reason is in the end, having the chance to build up an own fund with outstanding LPs, and then really have the chance to build up your own portfolio, uh, do it in a way you always think venture capital should look like, is something you cannot miss out. So that in the end is perhaps the easiest way to explain why I started my own fund. So you, Simon and BJ, the, the partner in crime, um, I've been working now together on the phone for, for many years now, and you have actually gone through COVID. And so I'm sure you've learned a lot around what good looks like in a pandemic environment. So can you tell us a little bit more around your investment thesis? Because I don't think it's just InsurTech, it's tech ventures to start yes. with. And so how, you know, tell us what you're after. So um, you are definitely right that the whole fundraising process, especially during COVID times was not easy. So um, it was, you can it in the end compare with a startup. Yeah, you have a team, you have a great idea, and then you go to investors and you ask them if they would like to invest into your idea. And um, of course, for some, it's not really interesting to invest only in an, in an idea. They want to see more. Okay. And especially at the beginning of our fundraising process in 2020, when um, COVID appeared suddenly in all our lives, um, that was hard because uh, meetings were no longer possible for a certain time. And it is, of course, clear that investors do not decide through a Zoom call if they would like to invest into a new fund. So we, yeah, we needed more time than expected. Um, but in, in September 2020, we were able to um, announce our first closing. And the focus of our fund, you already said it, is not only in SureTech, that's true. So we concentrate on early stage investments, which means for us, pre-seed, seed, and series A. This is our sweet spot. 
we do not have a specific sector focus, um, but we look, of course, for technology-based um, startups. Um, and what we, in the end, would like to see is, apart from the team, we can talk about that later, is, of course, the market perspective. And then the other topic, which I think is really relevant, is the question, which customer problem do you solve? Okay, it sounds like an easy question, but um, often when you meet founders and you ask them, which customers problem are you solving? They really have difficulties to describe that. And if you cannot really describe what the customer problem is, why should someone, someone be willing to buy it? Uh, so um, market combined with team and technology are three main parts of our due diligence where we look at before we decide if it is an interesting investment target for us or not. And then it's not really for us important in which sector you are um, with your business. It's more to see if, if there is really um, something you can scale to a big, yeah, a big player all around the world. And it's good to hear that. So the team, the technology, the problem which is being solved and being able to communicate that and scaling is important for you. This morning, I actually, I'm sure you get a lot of those messages yourself, you know, uh, people asking me about, you know, what is happening around Metaverse, NFT, and Web 3.0. And so my next question to you is, you know, what are the trends you are betting on? You know, where are you focusing your attention? So um, this is always not so easy to answer, but um, to give you some examples of all the the whole companies who are coming up at the moment working on solutions around climate tech sustainability this is of course something which is really interesting and um, i see a lot of potential in this sector okay because um, it's relevant for all of us and the better the solutions are, the more it will help our planet to survive, hopefully. So this combined with new technology is, of course, something which is really interesting. Okay. Uh, apart from that, fintech and suretech is still a space where we really like to look at because we think a lot of things are going on there and a lot of things can still be improved. Um, for the customers, for the insurers themselves, or for the banks, or for the uh, financing institutes. So um, this is still a sector where we see a lot of potential. Um, but we have also invested into a logistics startup, um, and we have also logist, uh, invested into a prop tech startup. So you see the range of um, sectors where we look at um, is quite big. Yes, the sectors you are looking at is quite broad and uh, climate, environmental tech, sustainability tech is definitely a big, big area right now. I'd like to take you to um, the journey we just went on. You know, you, you just finished InsurTech Symposium, a wonderful conference, uh, which I'm very, very privileged to participate to. And um, I remember a statement at the end of the session that 
Carsten Maschmeyer highlighted around, you know, the world we are living in and some of the changes around InsurTech, you know, some of the IPOs we've seen in recent months with valuation, which may not be what we were expecting. What are the challenges do you think we need to face off? And what are the opportunities that Neotech will take advantage of as we look at the world moving forward? I mean, um, it is clear that in our business, not um, every startup in the end is um, successful. Yeah, You always have to um, handle um, failures, okay? And um, of course, um, investors have expectations and it is clear that you have to fulfill them as a team when you get um the trust of your investors but um not everything can be handled only by the teams yeah you have um you have things in your daily business you can influence and there are other things market uh, environment and all that stuff where you sometimes do not really have an impact on yeah so in the end it means um you always have to look at each case why in the end it was not successful as perhaps expected in the beginning. Um, at the moment, of course, looking at the world, there are a lot of big challenges and um, they all have an impact also on um, things which are going on for startups. In the end, I expect that um, access to capital especially in later stage financing rounds will be tougher than in the last years okay um we really we are really coming from a high season so it, it's not um really um surprising that this is changing now a little bit um which means um valuations will go down a little bit access to capital will be a little bit more tough than in the last years. I expect also that the rounds will get a little bit smaller than in 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 the recent um, uh, two or three years. Um, and that, of course, has also an impact on the M&A market. Okay, so if we look at the exit of uh, portfolio companies, of course, perhaps that will take more time than you are used to from the last years but um i mean if you are an experienced vc then you know that it takes time until you can exit your companies from your portfolio so you need five to seven years or more to come to a point where you can really talk about an exit um so for us having the fund just started, this is not a big issue because we are already um, calculating with that. But of course, for other funds who are coming to the end of their lifetime cycle, it can be a challenge. Um, apart from that, I don't think that the whole venture capital scene will freeze down or something like that because there are so many new funds who have just started or just started one or two years ago that there is still enough capital in the market. The only question is, um, are all these funds willing 
to invest now or do they wait a little bit until they make the investment decisions? We will see uh, what will happen. But if you look back to other crises which we had, um, the startups who have started in crisis times were often more successful than companies who have started in normal times. But the big question is, do we have normal times or not? I would say uh, at the moment, definitely no. Yeah, a lot of uncertainties. And uh, as you echo right now, you know, more mature investments, so Series B, I guess we'll find it more challenging to get funding to so BCD. And we'll find it more challenging to get funding. And partly, I, I gather, is, is based on valuation, right? You know, when we were able to, to raise money during the course of the past years at a higher valuation now, I guess when you, you go into your, your next fundraise, that valuation is being challenged um, by, mm -hmm. by investors, right? So it's easier to invest in earlier stage, partly European startups, which tend to have a valuation which is uh, far more acceptable. Um, and so therefore are more likely to be able to raise vis-a-vis -vis older and more mature ventures. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with what you just said. I would like to go back to some of your principle as an investor and how you look at your team. You mentioned technology, you mentioned solving problems, and you actually highlighting teams. So can you tell us what are good teams for you? You know, what are the criteria when you look at your venture due diligence process to look at in, in teams, partly because you invest in early stage and sometimes technology is there and the problem is being solved, but at the end of the day, it's all about execution. So tell us, how do you evaluate teams? Um, so if we look at teams for us, one thing is really important and that is the structure of the team, okay? So we want to see who is in this team or in that team and what are their responsibilities. So who is the tech guy, who is the sales guy, who takes care of all the internal operations and um, where do they come from? What is their background? What have they done before? Uh, is it just uh, a university idea or is it something which they um, have uh, created over a long um, period of time. Um, and especially we want to understand why do they want to build up this company? Okay, what, what is in the end really their goal? I mean, it is not bad to say, I only want to earn money with my startup, but what else are the reasons why they decided not to go to um, other jobs which were offered to them after they left school or university or whatever? Um, or is it something they created as an employee for a company and decided to leave the company to continue with that idea? So um, this is something which we want to understand where we spend a lot of time on. We make, of course, of course reference calls. We meet several times with the teams. Um, and then try to get a picture and um, of them and how they really uh, interact with each other and how good the re relationship between the team members um, are. Because 
um, it is always clear that uh, you will go through tough times as a startup team. And then it's uh, important that you know that these people belong together and it's not only, um, I don't know how to say that in English, but I call it now a good weather idea, okay? You also have to go through bad weather conditions and then you have to stick together as a team. And this is for us really important. Um, so we spent a lot of time on this team due diligence um, to get really the picture we need to, to come to an investment decision. Um, and um, yeah, in, in the end, it's like always, um, when you don't believe into the team, you can skip the rest. Yeah, no, I agree with what you yeah. are saying. Good weather versus bad weather. And, you know, during uh, the past few months, I think we've seen a little bit of bad, bad weather. And so, therefore, that was a perfect testing ground to see whether teams would actually fit and still stay together, actually, uh, Simon. And um, I guess the past few months has been a great learning ground for teams to actually see how you weather uh, good and bad weather and uh, build sustainable, sustainable businesses. I also heard a few investors mentioning is that, you know, in, in bad time is the best time to build a business because yeah. then it cannot be worse than that, right? You've learned the yeah. hard way to doing it. So therefore when it's good, it should be a breeze in the park. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I agree. And I mean, I, I met a lot of teams who loved their technology and um, said, okay, we have the greatest technology in the world, but they forgot to concentrate on the product. You cannot uh, be successful uh, in the market without a good product. And even if the technology is great, it does not mean that the product is good. So you always need someone in the team who really looks at the market and what the customer wants and um really being able to create the product in a way that the customers love it and buy it okay and it um so you have to find this combination yeah the sales guy who is able to sell the product then the product guy who creates the product in a way that it is uh, possible for the sales guy to sell it and you need the technology um founder who is uh, uh, brilliant enough to to create this technology to do the rest so um it's hard to find these teams but they are out there and this is part of our job to find them yeah it's part of your job to all our jobs to to find it. and it's why i would say that we are very fortunate in europe that we have a number of hubs uh, which allows us to touch young founders and young teens and evaluate their propositions and, and make choices so my question to you where do you think the best ventures come from in europe do you have a favorite country of course germany <laughs> but Apart from that, um, um, I really like what's going on in the Nordics. So if you take, for example, Denmark, Copenhagen, Copenhagen, this is really fascinating to see what's going on there. But I also um, really love London, especially for the um, in, in SureTech community. It's really fascinating to see 
what's going on there in the city. Um, uh, also really interesting from my point of view is France. Yeah, um, Viva Tech is just over. It's really fascinating to see how um, creative the whole ecosystem is there. So um, I think the whole startup ecosystem in Europe has really improved over the last years a lot. And this is good to see. Yeah, it has improved. I was at Viva Tech. It was so hot in Paris. But, you know, they have 96,000 people attending Viva Tech this year. Yeah. And what I love about its conference is, you know, those, I call it the Disneyland of tech, because you have this little island around those corporates who are actually exhibiting the talent and the companies they're working with. And what I love doing, Simon, is actually look for those who are suitable for our industry that most of us would never have thought about. So I spend a lot of time on the LVMH and L'Oreal, you know, areas, uh, hubs, just to see what they are using, who they're working with, and whether there is any one of them relevant for our industry. Hmm. Yeah, um, I also, my plan was to come to VivaTech. My train from Cologne to Paris was canceled two times, and then I decided not to come. (laughs) Oh my God, incredible. I mean, yeah. you know, travel has been a little bit challenging for a lot of us in recent That's years. true. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so we are going probably, we need to do another, another podcast just on travel, European travel. Yeah. <laughs> what are the best tips to go from A yeah. to Z? Now, yeah. as a VC, your key metric should be financial returns. And, you know, the more and more I work with corporates who actually aims to set up their own corporate venture capital fund, I realize that some of the key metric is strategic return. How do you differentiate financial return from strategic return? And does it matter for you, Simon? Yeah, so we are um, financial driven, okay? Each startup has, from, from our point of view, needs to have the potential to pay back our complete fund, okay? This is something which we look at, okay? If we do not see this potential, then um, it's unlikely that we will invest. Um, uh, Strategic returns are often combined with financial returns, at least from my point of view. But of course, especially CVCs um, often uh, try to get some kind of extra um, extra um, yeah, deals with the teams that they get earlier access to, for example, the product or whatever. Um, this is something I would strongly recommend for each startup not to accept because in the end it is always not helpful, especially when corporates um, change their strategy, then it can be that from one day to the other, you are no more relevant for them and then um, the play is over. So if you, uh, uh, if you from a um, startup perspective, want, want to um, cooperate or to work together with a CVC, then you should have a, kind of um, starting workshop where you really 
create the goals um, on which you would like to work with them, okay? Um, and if during such a workshop, you don't find a common understanding of what should be the goals for the future of this cooperation, then I would recommend to stop it uh, because normally then it will not be a successful partnership. Um, and of course, strategic um, returns in the end are uh, for CVCs when it is possible for them to get access through the investments to innovation, which they on their own would not create. Yeah, I think this is something if you reach something like that, um, then you can be sure that the strategic goals um, or returns are achieved. You know, when we were together just a few days ago, we talked about business models. And I'm sure you spend your days evaluating business models. What was your view around our conversation around digital ecosystems, embedded insurance, and uh, some of the new trends we are seeing coming and building the new business model of insurance? What are the, the ones you are betting on today, Simon? Um, so um, one of our portfolio companies was Live on Stage, which is Mojo from Berlin. And I like their idea combining um, really needs for freelancers and creators um, with um, offers from financial institutions and insurances. Yeah, The access you get through the Mojo uh, application is for both sides really interesting. So the creator gets access to um, insurance products, which he normally would not get, or it would be more difficult for him to get it. And um, the insurer gets access to new customers um, where he normally, or where the insurer normally would have difficulties to reach them. Okay, so this is a really a win-win um, situation. And um, the way how the insurance products are put into the Mojo product is of course um, very smart and makes a lot of sense. And for uh, financial institutions, it is of course really interesting um, uh, to work with these creators and uh, freelancers in a way um, which normally would not be possible. Uh, so this is for me an example how especially embedded insurance can look like and um, how also financial products can be um, yeah, established into the Mojo application um, in a much more easier way when it is uh, uh, available at the market today. Yeah, Mojo is a great example and I spent some time with you, Tina. And uh, what also I like around this business model, because actually it was all about the future of work, which is a topic I'm really fascinated uh, to talk and to learn because, you know, it affects all of us, you know, with remote working, hybrid working. Now we are moving into what we call a creator economy where everybody can earn uh, if they want to by delivering some gigs and so 
what really I love with that, that venture and its potential from a business model viewpoint, it's not only just about embedded insurance, but it's about digital ecosystem, right? It's building communities of like-minded people, freelancers, uh, you know, digital nomads, um, the new creators of that creator economy we see emerging, you know, the uh, LinkedIn and social media influencers who also are looking for um, delivering their services, but also looking for services supporting and protecting them. And so you have now two business models, right? Digital uh, ecosystem plus embedded, plus I would say the technology, right? Which needs to be as a service platform to connect the dot amongst those different ecosystem, not only the creator, but also their insurers and the financial services provider. So the, the potential of that platform is limitless. Yes, I totally agree. And just um, look at this simple example. Um, normally, the freelancer waits 10 to 12 weeks to get paid. Yeah, By using Mojo, he gets paid within 24 hours if everything is fine. Um, and this is not only for the freelancer um, a big um, yeah pain solution it's also for uh, the contractor interesting um, to handle the whole process in a really complete quick and easier way as in in the past and so the solution is great and everyone who is involved uh, really has a lot of benefits from it yeah, wonderful. So I want to ask you, Simon, what would be your last words of wisdom? You know, where is the world going? What are you predicting? And what should we pay attention to? I think we should all spend more time on uh, speaking to each other, learn from each other, and through all these conversations, hopefully get a better understanding for all the different interests in the world and uh, perhaps through that make it easier and safer for all of us if that would be possible i would be really happy well it's a very wise word so if early stage ventures want to find you simon where should they go the easiest way to get in contact with you is uh, with us sorry um we have a um we have a event which we call Fridays 15 yeah so go to our website neotech.de and then you can book a 50 minute zoom call with us every Friday and that's the easiest way how you can get in contact with us yeah uh, 50 minutes are enough to get the first understanding of each other and then we can decide the rest and we created that course during COVID times because it was not possible to go to events so on and uh, now we have uh, this up and running for more one and a half years, I think. And um, our founders, um, the opportunity to such a 50 minute on say, and then it's really what conventions and out we have gained to this very simple idea. Um, I, I'm happy to repeat it again. Fridays 15 is the name of the format and you can book it through our website. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Simon. So uh, Young Ventures can either reach out to Simon and BJ for their Friday 15 
15 minutes chat to actually see whether there are collaborative opportunities. Well, Simon, thank you very much for your time, for sharing so much about Neotech, about your past, about your trends and where you actually pointing your lens around where to invest in the future. That was really insightful and thank you. Sabine, I have to thank you. Thank you very much for this great opportunity and I hope to see you soon. I can't wait. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>